0: hi i'm bill finn this is the second part of a two-part interview now that the first half of the interview is over let me be your sherpa as we leave the comfort of base camp and push for the summit it's time to get your cramp on yeah it's season three of the bait and switch podcast
1: Welcome back to the Bait and Switch podcast. My name is Jim Martin with my co-host as always, Chris Bayer. Hello. Today we have sports director from Channel 6 Fox News, Tim Van Voren with us. Thanks for being with us, Tim. We really appreciate it.
0: I'm enjoying it. Can I throw a question at you guys since you've been peppering me and I'm used to asking questions. Where does Bait and Switch come from?
1: Uh, well... It was the first thing Chris thought of because we like to, usually we like to throw things out there and we kind of throw a little twist on it. It's not exactly what, hopefully it's not exactly what people, what people expect.
2: Yeah. The idea is, and again, generally, if we get a guest such as yourself that our, our listeners might know, we tend to delve more into the bio. We've had probably six or eight local figures on our podcast, like Jim Stingle, for example, maybe you've heard of yeah. him. And sure. uh, we had Sheldon Dutez from Channel 12. mm mm-hmm. And generally if somebody is more well known we generally kind of do a straight interview but these people that are on that are not well known we tend to go in directions that they don't anticipate and we see how they respond Gotcha I like it very yeah. good
1: a little bit of a sociological experiment yeah. <laughs> so right. well you know I was I was going to tell you so obviously I hear you a lot on Bob and Brian or I used to I don't drive to work anymore so and we're, we're compared to them a lot actually you know a lot of people tell us you know like you guys are really bad Bob and Brian guys, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> like Chris was saying, you know, we've had reporters. We had Steve Palickin here, who's a longtime DJ. Of course, we had Jeff Grayson. And, and each of these guys, my sort of starstruckness has sort of escalated. You know, Steve was like, okay, I, I've known him for a while. And I know who he is. Jeff, you know, saw him on TV, and you are probably the first one where I was actually like a little bit nervous coming in. But Steve hold turned out—Steve turned out to be a really good guy. Jeff turned out to be a really good guy, and you know, so far you haven't screwed it up yet, Tim. So, so you're you're doing all right.
0: We're far from the final buzzer, though. I understand that. <laughs> good point. <laughs> yeah, Jim, uh, kind of yeah. hold it together here. All right.
1: I, I'm trying. I'm trying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is interesting. You know, we talked to Steve a little bit about being a local celebrity, and he's like
0: stuff you know hey bob and brian i would say our local celebrities i mean let's face it so many of us uh, you start every day with those folks yeah. uh and those guys could not be more regular could not be more you know milwaukee which is part of their appeal sure. uh, and, I, and i think they don't come off as you know big timing bigfoot in anybody uh mm-hmm. and so you know if, if you had them on your show they would sit here and talk to you like the regular guys that they are. And, and yep. I think, I assume the more of these interviews you do, you'll probably find that's true with just about everybody. You, you know, you, you just relate and converse. And uh, if you're a communicator in any way, that's probably more effective than trying to adopt some other persona. Sure. you know
2: it's right, right. a new verb, bigfooting. I never heard of that, bigfooting. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I like that. I like that. <laughs> Obviously, now you're used to that with the players and everything. Did you Have you ever had that sort of feeling of like, like, I don't know, Brett Favre days or something, or I don't know, any any of that kind of thing?
0: Well, certainly, you knew you're you knew you in the presence of somebody uh, that's not at the regular level. Now, they may talk to you like regular Joes, but your level of anticipation or maybe nervousness ahead of time is as heightened. Uh, I remember being intimidated by Don Nelson. He was the coach of the Bucks, and he and I remember kind of you know fumbling through a couple of questions with him and being he was kind of an kind of an imposing guy to be honest with you. The would feel good. And I was just a little kid on the way up, and uh, so th- there's definitely been uh, a history of that. For, I think there would be for anybody, you know, Michael Jordan or Brett Favre or uh, even later in my career, LeBron James. By then, you're used to dealing with people, but there's a circus around LeBron James that's that's not next to. Uh, You know, who else was on the Cavaliers at that time? I remember um, I was the person, for some reason, the only person available, probably because other people were assigned to higher profile roles. But all of a sudden, Tommy Thompson and they announced that they were going to build Miller Park, turned out to be Miller Park, but they had a stadium agreement to build a new stadium in Milwaukee. And so I go on interviewing the governor uh, live on some network thing, just because I was the only person there in this white man, I mean, I'm talking, you know, Bud Sealing and Tommy Thompson. And I mean, what am I doing there? And, and I was kind of out of my, you know, a little fish out of water too, because it wasn't just, well, it happened in the third quarter. It was, you know, this is a big darn deal. So sure. uh, you know, I think anytime you're out of your normal zone, uh, you you recognize it.
2: Yeah. yeah. Right. See, right. I kind of anticipated a circus run Tim Born, but I, I don't see it.
0: Uh, the, socially distanced. You know, that, yeah. the entourage is there
2: in the go. other room. Right.
0: We're keeping everybody safe. Actually, one thing I will mention
2: for our listeners' sake, Tim is coming to us from the uh, the sports center here. He's not uh, at
0: home. He's at the station. That's right. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Are you wearing pants? Because we can only see the top of you.
0: You know, it's a visual medium, but you got to leave right. something <laughs> to the imagination. That's yeah, right. we appreciate right. that. <laughs> yeah, everybody just... appreciates that, yeah. Chris. Yeah. Everybody. <laughs>
2: Yep. You know, one uh, thing we were going to delve into in the second half here is the idea of the asterisk in sports, because we're starting the Brewers season here tomorrow, and it'll be a shortened season, as will the Bucks; will be a shortened season. And who knows about the NFL? So whether it be a strike shortened season, a virus shortened season, the Houston Astros scandal, any number of things, it could put a little asterisk on a season. What do you think will be the historical significance of this virus on these seasons?
0: I think they will always re- be remembered as having an asterisk attached to them, I guess, as being unusual. Now, I don't have a, a particular issue with it because you play what you play. You know, 9-11 altered the NFL schedule that year. And do you really remember and go back and say, well, because the, they took a week off and they played at the end of the regular season and had a shorter week before the Super Bowl, it's not all the same. Do you, do you remember it that way? I, I don't really know. You play the cards that you're dealt. Even our um, you know, our kids and, and people coming along later are going to hear the stories of 2020. So the fact that the sports seasons broke from the norm and did what they could, I mean, that's just what we're dealing with as far as I'm concerned. Is it different? Sure. Is it will a baseball team that's built for the the long haul, 162 games, and put their roster together, and maybe would have been stronger that way than the teams that end up benefiting from a 60-game schedule. Is there an imbalance there? Well, maybe so, but that's just the way it is. And I, the one thing I one thing I would just like to add on that is it's affected every team in every league, which I mm-hmm. think keeps you on level ground. Right. New Orleans went through Hurricane Katrina, and that was a regional disaster. And those folks had to go through that, but the Seattle Seahawks didn't have to do that when they were getting ready to play. You know what I mean? This is affecting everybody, maybe to varying levels depending on where you are, but it's affecting everybody. So to me, you're you're on a little bit more of of an even surface.
2: Do you really think there is a baseball team
0: that is built for a shorter season? You know, I think the Brewers will fare better in a shorter Mm -hmm. season than they would over 162 for pitcher usage alone. Craig Council goes to that bullpen, likes multiple arms. The real strength of that pitching staff is, is guys coming out of the bullpen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you can get more impact out of guys coming out of the bullpen over 60 games than you can over 162, as yeah. far as I'm concerned. If you're good at maneuvering and uh, utilizing your roster and guys up and down and that sort of thing, and that gets you one or two or three more wins, maybe in a, in a smaller sample size, that makes a difference. So I think, yes, some teams will benefit more from the shorter season than somebody else who put – some other team who put their season – who put their roster together looking for a longer season.
1: Sure, and along the same lines, you know, uh, teams who have stronger starters, I would think they don't have to have these guys on pitch counts anymore. You know, they don't have to worry about, like, hey, maybe these guys go seven, eight, nine innings a few few more games because there's only a third of the games that they have to worry about, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely going to be the case. I think it's inevitable you're going to have some players who are going to test positive. If your best player tests positive and is out for 14 games, that's impactful over 60. You look at the NBA, we'll see, you know, maybe all that time off has helped some older players kind of get their legs back under them. We'll see what the body shape is for those guys as their seasons goes along.
2: Sure. Are you hearing skepticism from players about
0: going forward with this type of schedule? I think you hear everything across the board. Some guys legitimately in multiple sports, baseball, football, basketball. I can't say I talk to NHL players, really, on any kind of regular basis. So let's limit it to those three sports. You're talking to people, either players or people with those teams, you know, higher-level people, non-uniform people. And I, and I legitimately say I think you're hearing everything across the board. People, some of them are 100% convinced it's going to work. I think there are other people who would say, you know, this is a good attempt. We'd love to see it work, but it's not going to work. Uh, other people have healthy skepticism but want it to work so I think you're just gonna have to get into some of these situations and and as they go along see what develops yep
1: yeah, yeah. it's gonna be it's going be interesting JJ Watt has said he doesn't think he wants to play if you're gonna wear wear a face mask right that kind of leads me to a little bit of a different question but do you get to talk to a guy like JJ a lot because he's a local guy or does he pretty much stick to the Houston area or how does, does that you
0: know I would say maybe 15 years ago you probably would have uh, the fact that he's local and he remembers you know growing up watching you on tv uh maybe that carries a little more weight i mean jj watt now is a brand himself and he can control his own message i mean he's hosting a show with his brothers on fox not a sports show a regular show uh (laughs) they have you know social media you can you can control your own brand your own message i think jj watt's been phenomenal in that area yeah and um I interviewed J.J. Watt, of course, I mean, all the way up along. Sure. And, and he's always been gracious and a The family's been wonderful. You guys are from Wauwatosa. I remember interviewing T.J. Watt when he played quarterback against Wauwatosa West. And he was for Pewaukee. We are standing on the sidelines at Wauwatosa West. You know, a few years later, I'm doing a live shot in the hallway at Pittsburgh after the Steelers beat the – backers and you know, hey TJ you got a second, sure. He stops by and we're reminiscing about you know talking in high school. So do you get to talk to these guys? Sure. Do you make some connections? Sure. Do they really need their hometown media the way they once did? No, you don't. Yeah. 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 yeah we
2: well, need you right now. In the future right. probably not.
1: Yeah. You know, uh I, I saw JJ once in uh Jimmy John's. So if you need it in, I might be able to pull some strings, you know. So well, you see.
0: obviously had you know pers- interpersonal interaction opportunity. Right. With it. What about the performance
2: enhancing drug aspect of this? What do you think about people like McGuire and Bonds and the Hall of Fame and where their records stand and should they stand?
0: Yeah, to me, that's a hard one. I think their records stand because at the time they were allowed in for baseball. I have no issue with those guys not being elected to the Hall of Fame. I'm completely on board with that understanding and I would not vote for them because, in my opinion, they cheated the game. Obviously, there were some people who took supplements or did other things prior to the the PED era, and you could go back and you know, try to police all that. and, and I can see why baseball or other sports have not done that. To me, that was a, a conscious choice. You tried to elevate yourself over people who were not participating in something that was, uh, you know, illegal in that situation. So, uh, I understand why those records stand. To me, Hank Aaron is the home-run king, but I yep. understand why in the book Barry Bonds is the home-run king.
1: We're probably a little biased about Hank Aaron around here too. but <laughs>
0: yeah, Absolutely. I mean, we use him as an example, obviously, but, yep, right. uh, you no, know, Ryan right. Rivera 61, Babe Ruth 60. Yep. Those numbers mean more to me than Barry Bonds 73.
1: Right, right. I'm with you. I feel the exact same way. And then today I started thinking, like, well, what about guys like uh, Gaylord Perry or, you know, Joe Negro or even Don Sutton who got caught cheating you doctor doctoring the baseball all the time
0: there's no question it's a slippery slope and uh, you know yep. and the guys who were taking you know greenies or amphetamines in the 1970s to to just answer the bell and play the game i mean was that enhancing their performance you know, Yeah, at some point yep. where do you draw the line and yep. it's hard to go back and change history
2: my assumption is since there's so much money to be made or lost in sports by these people individually that have such a narrow skill set, you know, they're, they're so good at that sport. If they were to not be able to do that sport, they, you know, they go from a million dollars a year to $20,000 a year, that there's a good percentage of players in every sport that are doing things that we would probably consider cheating.
0: You know, I don't think that that's out of line thinking at all. The financial temptation is so great. It's dangerous to use specific examples, but you know, Rafael Palmero, for instance, does he live with tremendous regret? I don't know. You know, he's in the house that was financed by his baseball earnings. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. I mean, we're just using him as an example. It came out. Does he live with regret? Maybe, you know, parts of it, maybe, but you probably come to grips with your own choices in your own life anyway. A lot of people do a lot of things for money along the way and always have in, in any society. It doesn't have to be in sports.
2: Right. Yeah. And I think there's a temptation to think your guys, your your hometown guys, are the clean ones, and the other guys are the cheaters.
0: Yeah, we've seen that with a notable Brewer player, for instance. Of you know, well, he couldn't right. have done. Was alleged. Well, uh, he, you know, sometimes uh, the, the the water the water comes out. Um, so there are situations like that. You're exactly right. And you know, it's it's, it's funny to me the Packer fans are so loyal and, and thank goodness they are for those of us who you know, appreciate the hope package. You can pick any team. I'm not picking on the Packers. You know, while they have, while the guys have the uniform on, they're ours. Yeah. but yeah. It's just Or they sign with a different team. Very few fans still relate to them the same way unless right. they knew them personally or had some interaction with them or something, because now they're not ours. We, we talked earlier about high schools and, people move around the country they're still proud of their high school wherever they came from they still look back at they really know what those kids are like or what those coaches are like or whatever but they can still take pride in the accomplishments even sometimes from afar you don't really know but so many people want something to associate with that's just uh, the way most of us are wired
1: sure right right i want to make sure i get this in my neighbors the millmans are big fans so that's that that's in thank you to them for sure we were talking about the football season. I'm going to ask you this quick, and then I'll get into the story. But are you thinking about um, reducing roster sizes there?
0: In the in the preseason, yes, going from okay. 90 to 80.
1: Okay. So uh, Maureen Millman um, came out and said, hey, I had an idea about this reduced roster size thing. What if they took all of the diehard hard Packer fans. They're in the stadium during the game and they're all separated by 10 feet or whatever it is. And when somebody goes down with COVID, they pick somebody on the stage. Section 205 seat J1, you're up. You're going to be wide receiver. So Big Earl, he's got his chance. Lifetime uh, opportunity.
0: I like Maureen's line of thinking there because I, I, you know, yeah. we're all forced into doing things differently now. Why not something like that? And if that's going to keep your team on the field, maybe yeah. that's secret. And maybe someone will be a folk hero because he came down out of the seats or she came down out of the seats and caught the winning touchdown pass. right. Talk about the element of suspense every yeah. Sunday. A box, it's kickoff, and who's going to be out there? <laughs>
2: I had a friend that uh, at a halftime show kicked a 40-yard field goal and won like $20,000. Wow. Nice.
0: Yeah. Well, did you, we saw the story this past NHL season where the backup emergency oh, yeah. goaltender you know, had to come in and play and won a game. So many people identified right. with that story. And, and uh, the 1987 Packer players are still listed in there, those strike players. They're still listed in there for what they did in their years with the Packers. Do you recall anybody that was
2: a – replacement player that was a standout that went on to greater things?
0: Well, I bet there were a few, uh, you know, I don't, to be honest. With you. I remember in baseball, it definitely occurred more, you know, they have a few more labor issues, but those mm-hmm. players then still, they couldn't be, they couldn't partake in any sort of merchandising, any team pictures or anything like that where people would share the money because they were not members of the union. They had broken and gone across as replacement players. Wow. So it, those things are not forgotten within the game. Yeah, you know, getting yeah. back to
2: cheating and the uh, the idea of asterisks, what about something like the Houston Astros uh, scandal involving the, the videotaping of the pitching? Can anything be voided from a season like that, or should it be?
0: Uh, you know, obviously Major League Baseball made their ruling on that, and uh, you know, managers and front office people lost their jobs, and uh, the Astros are penalized going forward but their World Series title obviously not being taken away. The sports are allowed to make their rulings, and you can agree with it or not, but they made their ruling, So I don't – I mean, who else is going to – if the commissioner says, this is what we're doing, yep. who else really can come in and change that? I'll yep. say
2: this. In the sport that I tend to follow most, which is cycling, I follow the Tour de France, Lance Armstrong's titles were stripped. Yep. And so now, in the record books, it's just blank. And yep. as a sports fan – I just ignore that. To me, I'm not a big Lance Armstrong fan, but he won in my eyes. I was there. I watched it. I wasn't there, but actually I was there for one of them. But saw it on TV,
0: and so in my mind, he won. Yeah, I remember as a kid reading about the NCAA Final Four one year, and uh, I think it was Villanova with Howard Porter vacated. I'm like, I remember asking, my dad, what is vacated? How come there's not another team in there? It was vacated uh, because you know somebody was pulled out of that for, uh, using an eligible player.
1: Right. right. That's the weirdest thing to me is that, and that seems to come up a lot in college basketball because of the, the payment rules and everything like that. And 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 they say, well, they they strip the title, or they strip this, and it's like, well, it's just kind of silly. I mean, yeah, they shouldn't have done it, and it was really, you know, unfair for the people that they beat and all that. But like, you're not going to go back and fill the stadium with the other fans, and okay, now everybody pretend like you made the winning shot, and blah blah blah. It's, it's the moment that really matters. So
0: you build your hopes up and you're you're identifying with the story and it doesn't turn out then you have to explain it to people as to why it did and you know kind of again we talk about lessons we're talking about lessons of broadcasting i mean a lot of these situations are life lessons as well
2: last minute i want to veer a little bit based upon what we just talked about college athletes basketball football should they be paid
0: uh you know i I guess i'm of of the uh thought that they're getting college scholarships and they are getting compensated. I, I do understand uh, the likenesses of these athletes. Um, you know, if you, if you know an athlete, though, who's in a non-revenue Division One sport, you understand what they're working for as well. I am more comfortable saying they're student athlete. I agree that if you're selling somebody's jersey and it's clearly his likeness or her likeness, that doesn't seem right. I had no problem with college sports of a different era when, truly they were more student athletes. I went to Marquette. The basketball players were treated like royalty, but they didn't need to be paid beyond what they were getting. It was a simpler time. I get mm-hmm. that. Uh, I remember they used to play the Ipte tournament to start every season at Clemson, and it was for their booster club, which was I pay 10 a year. $10 a year in your booster club, you had some sort of influence uh, to have the tournament. <laughs> Well, $10, I mean, come on now. <laughs> times have changed just so astronomically. To me, I guess it's a little hard to keep up with all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. I, I guess yeah. The, the out is that
2: a lot of these guys are getting out early after one or two years, and they're getting paid quicker.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, a lot of these other sports, they're not going to college, right. You know, the baseball players are going directly. The, the yeah. hockey players are going directly. So, to me, if you had to come down to the simple question, should they get paid or no? I will go with no. I'm still of that belief. But, you know, some of these other doors have been opened that make it an unlevel playing field anyway that I understand where the criticism comes from. And, and money is the root of
1: it. Yep. And I think it gets trickier, too, uh, if you throw in the sports. There's more chance of career-ending injuries in football than there is in basketball. I can understand that, too. Look, I'm, I'm putting my whole life and career on the line to play football for you. Maybe I get a little bit more than a scholarship then.
0: I understand these players who don't play a bowl game with their college. You know, sure. I have to protect my body. The flip mm-hmm. side of that would be, I understand and respect the players who do, you know, Jonathan Taylor for the Badgers, this past year, of course I'm playing. These are my teammates. These are my guys. Yeah. I'm going to be a high draft choice. I'm sure he's not regretting that choice at all, but yeah. I understand the guys who, you know, maybe have got, they're good players who have been hurt in bowl games and it's, has impacted their future earning power. So, yeah. I mean, it's a case by case deal. I, I respect, the people making the decision that they think are right for them, I hope that in most cases they're making the decision instead of somebody influencing that decision to be made for them. Yeah. Well, uh, Tim Van
2: Voren, we want to thank you for stopping by. We know you got to get to that 9 o'clock newscast, right? That's the next thing on the evening <laughs>
0: docket, you bet.
2: Yeah, I see the clock behind it It's 8 o'clock. We want to thank you for coming on our show. Jeff Grayson was gracious enough to get you on our show. And if you could talk to LeBron, that'd be cool. Sure, yeah. Uh,
0: Next time I'm in a media scrum, which maybe never, the Zoom interview era has begun, right. uh, I'll be sure to drop your names first.
1: Right. All right. Well, hey, yeah, we appreciate that. We'll hold you to that.
2: <laughs> all right. Well, thanks a lot, Tim. Thanks for taking yeah. the time.
1: Yeah, thanks, Tim. <laughs> if, uh, you know, when this thing is all over, we'd like to get back in the studio sometime if you'd be up for that.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sounds great. Well, this was fun, and uh, there's no reason there shouldn't be a reunion of some sort once we uh, once we all proceed. All right.
1: Sounds good, Tim. Thanks a lot. Thanks again, Tim. Yep. See you guys. Join us next time on the Bait and Switch Podcast when we talk with Milwaukee Montessori educators, Harper Martin and Catherine Lee.